Hello, folks. If there is, as we are trying to get everybody seated, if there are seats that are that are in your row that are available, either please make that known, or if you can, scoot in, scoot to the aisle, or scoot in, scoot up. Whatever we have to do, uh, I know we're adding seats in the back right now, but uh, if there are seats available, please uh, make that known. Thank you. Good evening, good evening. If you guys would make your way in and, and find a seat, and hopefully there are seats for you, and our members of this church have made you welcome and, and uh, have moved in and allowed them to seat. We see there's a seat here if anybody needs it. There's a seat here in the middle. 
It's not quite the VIP section up front that most of you want, but there are seats available. So please make your way in and we'll get the performance started here shortly. Thank you. There's a lot of people out here. There's a lot of candles out here. Afraid this place is going to be lit tonight. It is going to be a really good night, though. I agree. It's going to be way better than being at your mom's house. That's... Yeah, well, you know she might be watching. Oh, I know she needs it. <laughs> well, thank you, Brother Pablo. I make a joke about my mother-in-law, and I catch myself on fire. <laughs> I told the people in charge this wouldn't be a problem. It is an honor to have each one of you here with us tonight. And guests, if this is your first time, thank you so much. It is a pleasure to have you with us. My wife, Andrea, and I, and our entire church family are delighted that you would be a part of this service and the goal tonight, through narration and through song, is simply to remind each one of us of the true heart of Christmas and why it should be such an important and meaningful time for all of us. And so I'm going to pray, and we'll begin the service tonight. Father, it is a joy to be together, and there's a lot of people in here that I don't know, many more that I do know. But God, what matters most is that you know each one of us, and whether or not every individual is aware of this, God, you love every person in this room, and you desire, Father, to draw people into a relationship with you, not through a religion, but through the person of Jesus Christ. And so, Father, I pray that tonight you would help us to be able to focus for just a little bit on the words that are spoken, on the words that are sung, and that it would draw the hearts of people's faith to Jesus. Thank you for the time. Thank you for the work, the hours, the preparation. And thank you for our guests sharing their time with us. In Jesus' name, amen. It begins with, and it came to pass. 
as the prophets foretold. And in those days, it begins with, for unto you is born this day. And it ends with a Savior who is Christ the Lord. It's the story of Christmas, the story that forever changed the world, not only for all time, but for our time and beyond. And this is the heart of the story. This is the heart of Christmas. The heart of Christmas can be summed up in a single name, Jesus. finisher of our faith, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, and the end. Before Jesus physically came to our world, a heavenly messenger appeared to Joseph with words of eternal significance, and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Remember the words of the old hymn that many of you are familiar with. Tell me the story of Jesus. Write on my heart every word. Tell me the story most precious, sweetest that ever was heard. Tell how the angels in chorus sang as they welcomed his birth. Glory to God in the highest and peace, good tidings to earth. It was almost 4,000 years ago that the Christmas story was first shared with the from the pens of ancient prophets, a message from God was delivered to his children. He will swallow up death in victory, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from off all faces, and the rebuke of his people shall he take away from off all the earth. 
For the Lord hath spoken it. The prophet Isaiah continues, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. He has come for us. This was more than a story. It was a covenant that stretched across the ages between God and his people. It was an eternal promise, first sung by the prophets, repeated by countless generations of God's faithful, then finally whispered in the heart of a young girl. The angel Gabriel was sent to the small village of Nazareth with words of purpose and expectation. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. This problem, excuse me, this promise, as amazing as it was, created a dilemma in the mind of Joseph. How could my espoused wife be faithful to me, but pregnant with a child? But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. In order to play their part in the story of redemption, Joseph and Mary could not rely on their perception or understanding. They had to trust in the greatness and in the power of the Almighty God.
Bethlehem, Ephratah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. Bethlehem, a forgotten town tucked among the Judean hills, was now poised to become the center of God's unfolding drama. Joseph and Mary's journey to Bethlehem had been ordered by an earthly census, but it was part of a heavenly plan. So the couple set out on the arduous journey that lay before them, with only the light of the desert stars to guide them, and their faith in the promise of God. But that would be enough. It led them to a sleeping village, a simple stable, a manger of warm straw. And there, Mary and Joseph would hold the newborn Son of God. Sweet hymns of joy 
had embraced a firmament was now asleep in a virgin's arms. Messiah has come. And in that tiny hand, which would one day be nailed to a cross, it now grasped his mother's fingers so tightly, and there lay the hope for all the world. Truly, Emmanuel, God is with us.
but the story is far from over. On a Bethlehem hill, startled shepherds were surprised by an explosion of angelic joy filling the night sky while they watched their sheep. Glory to God, they sang. Glory to God in the highest. Joy to the world. The Lord is come. The shepherds remembered what the angels had told them. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Then they quickly ran to the very place which the angels had told them about. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And when they had found the infant king, they bowed before his manger throne.
adoration was not over. The scripture says, now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. These wise men were attentive to the promise of God, determined to find him, committed to honoring him, and lavish in their expression of love for him. John 4, 9, and 10. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us, and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Shepherds come and bow before him, see. 
unchanged. It is as vibrant and alive as it was that night long ago in Bethlehem. Just as it did when the shepherds first gathered around a simple manger, it still has the power to change lives today. The miracle of Jesus is not limited to a nativity scene. Jesus and the miracle that he is is still at work today. The greatest miracle is not simply that Jesus was born of a virgin. It's why he was born. It's that he came to live a sinless life, to bear the sin of all humanity so that he could give eternal life to anyone who would believe in him alone for salvation. The miracle of Christmas is the salvation of any sinner who will believe. And that miracle still happens today.
John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The candles that you see lit, the lights that are hanging around the room, represent the light that is Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us in John chapter 1, that the light came into the darkness, but the darkness comprehended it not. The great truth about Jesus is that he is available to everyone. Salvation is not a religion. Salvation is not coming to a church. Salvation is not being baptized. Salvation is not your good outweighing your bad because the truth is before God our bad exceeds what we can even begin to comprehend we try to make ourselves feel better about God with the idea that well at least I'm not like that person or I'm not like that person and you come up with your definition of what is the worst kind of sin but here's the truth my friends is that if your sin was bad enough for Jesus to have to die, then it's bad. And my sin was bad enough for Jesus to have to die. The wonderful gift is that Jesus came to give eternal life. Ephesians 2 says this, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Titus 3, 5 says, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Salvation is not something that you do or that you earn from God. Salvation is something that God, through his own effort, has eternally earned, and he gives it to anyone that will believe in him. This is, as my wife just sang, the miracle of Christmas, that God would take on our weak form and he would live a sinless life and then he would die on the cross and I believe die knowing your name 
and knowing everything that you would be guilty of. And he paid for every sin, not just the ones that you've committed, but any sin that could ever be committed. And it's permanently forgiven. The debt is paid. Now in order to be saved, all a person has to do is to be willing to go to the light. Admit that I don't have it and receive it from him. It's a gift that's received not by your works, but by faith in Jesus Christ. But Jesus won't force it. Any more than I cannot be forced to walk over and place this candle into the flame and light it, Jesus won't force you to receive the life that he offers. And so many people live their life so close to the light without ever coming to him. You can be surrounded by it. You can be so close to it and yet never have it. Tonight our desire is that you would know Jesus as your Savior. We're honored. I understand that people say it all the time. I understand that You've possibly been disappointed by a church or by a church leader. But as best we can, we are honored that you're here with us. But what we desire more than your presence in this room is that you would have a relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ alone. There's a story in the Bible as Jesus was fulfilling what he came to do. He was taken to a cross and there he was crucified between two thieves. And as the accounts of the gospel unfold that story, Jesus is there dying, not for his own sins, but for our sin, for the sinfulness of the world. And on one side is a man who was guilty of crimes that were punishable by death. And on the other side is a man who is guilty of crimes that according to the law of the day were punishable by death. And for a time, these men railed on him, but then something occurred in the heart of one of these criminals as they were crucified and as they're there hanging in this agony, he became aware that this man in between them was different than anyone he had known in his life of criminal behavior. He was not guilty and he became aware through the work of God as only he can do that this one is the Messiah, he is the Savior. And so as he hangs on that cross, he looks at Jesus and according to the Bible, he says, Lord, Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And this was the promise of Jesus. And I want you to get this tonight with this question in mind. What does a person have to do to be saved? He said, Lord, remember me. His faith in that moment was in the Son of God hanging on the cross. And Jesus said these words, today, today, you'll be with me in paradise. I'm not being unkind, but that criminal had no opportunity to undo the deeds that he had done. He had no opportunity to go to a church. He had no opportunity to be baptized. He had no opportunity to carry out any religious ritual. All he could do was believe in Jesus. And tonight, that's all that is required for you to have eternal life. So this is the question Can you look back to a moment in your life 
when you recognized I am a sinner, not because of how I compare to another human being, not because, not because of a label that a religious institution has placed upon me. I am a sinner because God has created a law and I have come short of the glory of God. And like the Bible says, all have sinned and come short of that law, that glory of God. But Jesus died to pay for my sin. And so rather than trusting in my own works, I am going to come to the true light of the world and I am going to put my faith in him and accept his light, the light of grace, the light of forgiveness into my life. And sometimes there's this argument that you don't know what I'm guilty of. And my friend, I don't need to know what you're guilty of to know what Jesus is capable of. His forgiveness is not limited to a specific category of failings. His forgiveness is sufficient for anything that anyone can be guilty of. Salvation is not reserved for people who haven't done this or haven't done that. We're all guilty. Salvation is reserved for those who will put their faith in Jesus Christ. And there is no sinner so guilty that the light of Jesus Christ cannot change your life. It's as simple as in faith, reaching out and saying, Jesus, I want, I need, I must have you. Tonight, tonight, you can ask Jesus to be your Savior. And in faith, he'll accept you. By his grace, he'll forgive you. And he will take away all of your sin. I do believe there are many here who are saved. You have Jesus. And you can remember when I asked those questions, you can remember the moment in your life when you understood I'm a sinner and it's not a church, it's not a pastor, it's not a priest, it's not a religious motion. It is Jesus alone and you called on him to be your savior. And you know that you're a child of God, not because of religious work, not because of good work, but because of the work of Jesus, you know that you're saved. It's glorious. And yet we're commended to, commanded to share his light. So for my brothers and sisters, whether you know me well or not, if you are a child of God, does your life at all reflect the light of the Son of God? So many of God's people today, they're saved, but they're living as though they're lost. And you can't look at your life and see any evidence of Jesus Christ. And tonight I wonder, as we put up Christmas decorations, as we mention the name of Jesus, as we hang our signs and put up the stockings and put up nativity scenes, does your life reflect Jesus. Jesus would be far more pleased with a life that demonstrated forgiveness and kindness and restraint and compassion and love and work ethic and integrity and honesty than he would a nativity scene set up in living rooms because I'm amazed at the number of God's people who have nativity scenes representing the Savior, but their life bears no resemblance to the truth of Jesus Christ. 
I'll ask again. Not, are you saved? If you're not saved, then turn to Jesus. Even now, you can call on him, and he'll save you right there in that pew. I'll say it one more time. Paul and Silas, preachers of the gospel, were in prison, not for a crime, but for preaching. And the Philippian jailer who was responsible for guarding them fell asleep. And God sent an earthquake that shook open the doors. But Paul and Silas cared more about people being saved than they did personal freedom. And somehow they convinced all the prisoners to stay put in that prison because they knew the penalty for letting prisoners escape was death. And they cared about that jailer. And the jailer awakens out of his sleep and he sees the cell doors open and realizes the law commands that he die. And rather than putting his family through the shame and the embarrassment of a public trial and execution, he takes out his sword and prepares to kill himself But Paul yells to him from the cell, do thyself no harm, for we are all here. And he takes a candle, he brings them out, and he says to them this question, what must I do to be saved? They didn't say, go get baptized. They didn't say, change the clothes that you're wearing. They didn't say, you need to take this class, and you need to go through this religious motion. They said, believe Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. He'll take you just like you are. You don't have to be any different than you are at this moment for Jesus to give you eternal life. No, if you have things that need to be changed, he'll change them. But that's not how you get saved. You get saved by accepting who he is. Just as you are. To my friends that are saved. Can others see the truth of who Jesus is. In your life. Or do they see something different. We're going to conclude the service. I'll come back up and. Pray with you. We're going to have one more song and. Our adult and teen choir is going to sing Silent Night. And I'm going to begin a process, and we're going to begin to light up this room with these candles. And if you know the song, you're invited to sing along with us. But I want you to ask yourself, in all seriousness, I understand we're lighting candles, and you go through this, and it can be a distraction. It's like the first time you've ever seen a fire before. (laughs) Oh, it's a flame. (laughs) fire. I don't want to ask you, would you seriously consider your own salvation? And if you are saved, would you ask yourself the question, is the love and the life of Jesus Christ evident and obvious to the people around me by the way that I live my life? Or am I hiding the significance of Jesus.
going to ask Brother Scott, can you knock out these lights up here? Just do your best. I just see the flames are still getting passed around by a few. But see how much one light can make a difference when it's added to other lights? You don't have to be more than you are. Just believe him for who he is. And let his light consume your life. And it'll give hope that this world so desperately needs. Let me pray with you. Father, I believe this. I'm not just saying it. God, I believe that you know each person here and you love with intent and deliberateness each person that is here. And tonight, God, you've allowed us to have these few moments together, and I thank you for it. God, the, the music, the program has been wonderful. I'm thankful for the labor that went into it. But God, it's of no eternal value if we simply enjoy a nice program that was cozy and warm and nostalgic, and we enjoyed watching the kids and the adults and and it made, it, it made us feel good. God, we, we, we need so much more than feeling good. We need eternal life and hope. We need something that will go with us beyond the feeling of a service. We need a relationship with you. And so, Father, I pray that the seed of the gospel would bring fruit unto eternal life in the hearts of each person that is here. God, there might be young people, might be men, there might be women, and while they are religious or while they believe in the idea of God or maybe they are wrestling with whether or not there is even a God, you are, I am convinced, still interested in their life and still love them. And so, Father, I pray that tonight if people haven't received you, that you would continue to work in them to the end, that they would put their faith in Jesus and be saved. And Father, help us who are your children, not because we go to church, but we're, we're children because we've believed in you for salvation. Help us to allow your light to affect our life so that who you are and your love for people is visible in the way that we live our lives, in the way that we talk to each other, in the way that we speak to our children and our neighbors and the strangers on the street, in the countenance that we have, in the words that we use, in the thoughts that we think, in the way that we conduct our business at work, in the way that we interact with people that disagree with us, God, Help your light and your grace to be evident in us. Thank you for tonight. Please bless your people as they go. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, in just a moment, you'll be able to blow out your candles. Please do me a favor and don't see if you can get to the car with this still burning. Just outside in the foyer, as you walk through these sanctuary doors, they're trash cans with water. Just blow the candle out and drop it in. 
I'm myself, my wife, I'm going to ask Matt, Brother Maximus, Carrie, some of our staff, you'll go out there. We just want to shake your hand and say hello. If you have any questions about the issue of salvation, whether it's tonight or some other time, if you talk to me or others that you saw in this program, we would love to take the Bible and show you how you can know for sure that you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. We, we are not too busy to share that message with you. And so I hope that you'll consider it. I love you. God bless you. I hope you have a Merry Christmas with your family. Let's stand, and you are, after you blow out your candles and the lights come on, dismissed. Dismissed.